0: Welcome to Spark Creators, a podcast that empowers kids to learn, create, and become. This podcast invites creators and entrepreneurs from all over to share their stories and ideas. We believe every kid is creative. It's just a matter of taking that first step and starting now. We hope this podcast can inspire you to create something that makes a difference in the world. If you want to stay inspired, remember to subscribe. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Or visit us at peachandplumlab.com/podcast.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Spark Creators. I'm your host Lee Zen. Today it is wonderful to have Amanda Winterborn, the founder and owner of Amanda Creation. Amanda's business started with her own interest on planning parties. She loved and still does to throw themed parties, but just couldn't find the right supplies. They either don't coordinate that well or it was too expensive. Because she had been creative her whole life, she is a graphic designer herself. So she set set out ways to find um, different party supplies to actually make her own themed parties. But... Not only did she find out that it was she was capable to coordinating all the details that made her party stand out from everyone else's but also she found out that she could do it for less money and make the design much better looking than all the big box party supply stores that is why Amanda started her special invitation and party supply company she explored Etsy's store right before she sold it on Amazon. But she definitely found her way on Amazon and now we are very excited to welcome her to tell her story and share lessons she learned by making printable products. Hello, Amanda. Great to have you here on Spot Creators. Can you say hi to everyone and also maybe add a little about yourself?
0: Sure. Hi, everybody. Thanks so much for having me. Um, that was a lovely introduction. You covered a lot of stuff. Um, I'll just add that I'm a mom of three young boys. I have a 14-year-old, 10-year-old, and a 5-year-old. The 5-year-old is still in preschool, so we're running the business still uh, with having a little one at home with us. So,
1: Got it. That's awesome. Yeah. We will talk a little more about your family because that is all the reason you start this business, right? Correct. Definitely, definitely. So um, Amanda, because our podcast is related to, I mean, for prepared for parents and kids. Yeah, so I always ask our adults, guests, about their childhood too. So what kind of kid were you and what kind of parents do you have when you grow up?
0: Yeah, I was a very creative child. So I was always dabbling in any kind of arts and crafts that I could get my hands on. Um, I remember going, anytime we would go into Michael's, the craft store, like my mom dreaded taking me in that store because she couldn't get me out. Um, and probably because, you know, I made her spend a lot of money in there um, buying all these different art supplies. But I just remember I, I always was keeping myself busy by creating something. So whether it was crocheting or clay or like latch hook. I mean, I I tried every craft there was. And, I mean, that was how I entertained myself in the summers when, you know, I wasn't in school. And um, just being crafty and creative, I, I left messes everywhere I went. There were always craft supplies out. That also did not thrill my parents very much. You know, there was always stuff everywhere, um, which I think is really funny now that I have kids. I have well, they're all creative in their own way, but my five-year-old, he's he's really like me, and he's always got craft supplies out all over the place, and I just smile and say, you know, it's okay, because I turned out okay, so
1: <laughs> let him be yes. as
0: crafty as he needs to be.
1: So it seems like the creative route is a destiny for you, like, since the very beginning, because you know you are very creative, and you love doing, you know, making things, uh, hands-on stuff, yeah. And usually they say boys follow mom a lot. So like you say, a five-year-old does that. And what about the other boys? Like, do they have some, you know, some kind of creative, um, yeah, like mindset going on when they were a child? And what about your husband?
0: Yeah, for sure. All three of my sons are creative. Uh, My oldest, um, he is amazing with Legos. And so my husband, he grew up, and he's very technical. So he's more um, mathematical, science, into spreadsheets, you know, that whole side of it. So, like, we're kind of opposites in that regard. And it's fascinating to watch the kids because I feel like the way my son builds with Legos, it requires a lot of engineering skills, but also a lot of creativity. So it's kind of the perfect combination, um, and this past weekend, he entertained himself. He bought a new pair of shoes and he painted them. So he painted them however oh, yeah. he wanted to. Um, my middle son is also very creative and artistic. He likes um, more drawing and painting. He's done some clay and things like that too. So they're they're all very creative in their own way, and definitely artistic. And you know they find they find different things to to create with, but Legos. Is all three of them. There's Legos all over this house.
1: Yeah, that's the good thing about raising boys, right? Like when you buy a set of Legos, they can be passed on to the next one. And then you can still, you know, use all the toys. Yeah, which is great. They can hang out. Mm -hmm. Great. So as part of a tradition that we always ask um, our guests about some of the belief, you know, some things they really believe in. Yeah, if you were to use one or two keywords to describe that, what would it be for you?
0: Yeah, that was such an interesting question. I had to think about that. Um, So if I had to sum it up in the words, I would say myself and manifesting. Mm -hmm. So I've learned through the entrepreneur journey that I'm pretty reliable. And through the ups and downs, I always find a way. And so I've learned to really believe in myself and my ideas and anytime that I haven't believed in myself, I've always looked back and kind of regretted that little moment. Like I knew what I was doing. Why did I, why did I doubt myself? or Why did I second guess? And that's not to say that I don't still question myself and second guess. Um, but I just, I have a really solid belief in myself that, you know, I didn't have maybe even five years ago. And, Manifesting because I really truly believe that whatever we set our minds to and whatever we believe is possible is what's possible, and that can be a positive or a negative. So, if you believe you can, you will, and if you believe you can't, you also will. So, you know, I've seen that work and play out in so many different ways that um, I know that if I have a positive mindset, if I set a goal. If I work towards that goal in small steps, day by day, it inevitably has to happen.
1: Mm-hmm. That's that's so encouraging to hear. You know, as an entrepreneur, you have gone through up and downs, and then now you find your way out. And then you had great beliefs on yourself, and which is, you know, the biggest. Um, I guess you need to be an entrepreneur because you set your goals and you can't accomplish it you believe you can make it happen yeah um, it's very encouraging yeah So um, we are going to talk a little bit about the creation part, right, for your design business. And tell me a little bit about your artistic or creative journey. You said a little bit about your um, childhood. You are a graphic designer, and what led you to create Amanda Creation?
0: Yeah, actually, I um, I've always been artistic, and when it came time to go to college, I've always been very musical too. Uh, so the college career path I went on was the music. So I have my degree mm. in music education. And when I got out of college I realized that I probably didn't want to be a teacher, that, you know, I'm I more wanted to just sing. I did teach private piano lessons for many years. Um, but you know, it was kind of this strange weaving path that got me to where I was. I basically we went on a trip to Disney when my oldest son was three and I had four hundred pictures from that trip and at the time I was scrapbooking but paper scrapbooking and I thought oh my gosh to scrapbook that many photos first is going to take me forever and second that book is going to be so thick we're not going to be able to put it anywhere and Shutterfly was like brand new at the time I mean you think of all the amazing things that Shutterfly can do now you know 11 years ago that it wasn't like that um but the, I think they had kind of just started offering like a blank page where you could put your own design on it. And so I actually got into digital scrapbooking, which is what taught me all the graphic design skills. So I did that for a few years and I've always had a love of parties and throwing themed parties. Like I also joked before Pinterest. So we were throwing themed parties before Pinterest even existed. Wow. And again, you think, you know, Pinterest is, it just seems like it's been here forever. But when my kids were little, it, it did not exist. It was a brand new social media platform. Now you can go on there and see all sorts of themed parties. But before that was there, I was throwing really fun ones. Um, and so basically what happened was I'd throw these fun themed parties and I coordinated all the little details and my friends would come to the parties and then they loved it and they'd ask me to do it for them too. And then somebody said, Well, you should sell this stuff. I thought, Nobody's gonna buy it. You know, I'm just doing it for my kids and your kids. And I don't I just took a chance and put it up for sale and sure enough, um, people did want to buy it. And it really kinda has grown from there.
1: Wow. I didn't know your background was amusing. <laughs> you are really artistic, yeah. Like combining, you know, all the yeah, drawing and designing part and also the music yeah i thought you your major must be graphic design or something like that yeah and you learned graphic design yourself self taught yeah very impressive yeah so when it comes to the invitation or like the type of sta- stationery right you design you have a very specific focus um or style it looks like birthday party invitations are some of the main products in your shop. So tell us a little bit about the journey you had on your product ideas and why uh, you decided to focus on this type of invitation and party supplies.
0: Yeah, I just have a knack for kids' birthday parties. I just love them. My creative style is very fun, silly, colorful, And that really lends itself well to kids' birthday parties. I also love the imagination that kids have and the crazy ideas they come up with and, you know, how they're filled with wonder all the time. And I think I just try to stay really connected to that. And I think about, you know, if I was five years old, what would I want? You know, it's really easy when I have little ones at home to – to see their thought process and the things that they're, they're loving. And I just stay really connected to that. And I'm like, I bet they would just love a roller skating llama, you know? So I'm always trying to think of something silly, something out of the box that um, like only would come from a kid's imagination, you know? And um, I do believe that, you know, I have an exceptional amount of creativity I have not lost that since childhood. Most of us outgrow that. I've managed to keep on that. But I also think that it takes practice. So the more you use your creativity, the more you are thinking like that and practicing creativity, the better you get at it. And so when I'm constantly thinking, I'm like, okay, what's the next crazy, silly thing I can come up with? The more I practice that, the easier it becomes.
1: Got it, yeah. And you got three perfect beta users at home to test your ideas and then see if it will work for them and then that will definitely work for others too, right? Right. (laughs) Definitely. So when it comes to producing your product, especially in the beginning, did you ever try to print from home from your own printer or you started to um, do that from the print shop in the very beginning?
0: Yes. So when I first started making the party supplies way back when they were actually printable. So they were made to be printed out uh, at the customer's home. So they would Mm. download the file and then they would be able to print it on their own. As things evolved and changed and I thought more about who my customer was and what they were looking for, I needed to take that hassle away from them because not all of them had skills to figure out how to open the files and print them. I would get so many customer service emails about not knowing how to unzip a file or when they printed it, it was only printing on half the sheet and You know, it was getting difficult to troubleshoot every individual person's printer preferences. (laughs) And I thought, man, if these things could just arrive on their door ready to go, they'd probably be a lot happier. And so that's when I set out to do everything printed instead of having the customer print it. So the goal now is to make it as easy as as simple as possible for my customers where every single thing that I sell is printed and shipped straight to them and ready to go. And when I first started doing that, I used to print at Office Max. So um, I would get an it's order. It was quite for...
1: expensive. Because... It was.
0: Oh, absolutely. I'm not sure I made any money in the beginning. <laughs> um, but I would send the invitations to Office Max and I would go pick them up and I would hand cut them and package them and, and ship them off. Eventually, I found um, you know services like Vistaprint where you could submit your design and they would ship to your customer and I started using that. And then it ultimately led me to working with local printers and um, printing and having items in stock. So instead of printing on demand, we started pre-printing and we hold stock in all of the different designs that we have and they're ready to go when they sell.
1: Got it. So where do you print right now and uh did you try different print shops around your local area in order to find the one that's best for your fit, you know?
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, We do use two different local print shops, Um, possibly adding a third that can do some specialty stuff for us, like foil and glitter effects. Um, And yeah, we, we have shopped around for multiple printers. I've met with multiple uh, different print shops, and gotten pricing from I can't tell you how many different places, and you know it. It's a different aspect of the business because because we're constantly printing, and it's constantly growing, and we're constantly adding products. We're a really good customer, and so we're looking for a print shop that wants to partner with us because they see the potential. Because if I grow, they grow. And so that relationship that we have with the printers that we use is really, really important because we can't have them, you know, um, a month or two into our relationship changing their pricing structure or changing the way we order or, you know, we, we're we doing such a volume of, of printing that it has to be very, very streamlined and we have to have really good comm- communication with the printers we're working with. So, I'm very happy with the two shops that we're using now and looking forward to, like I said, adding another shop that can do some die cutting and specialty stuff for us, which is really kind of fun. But not all of the printers we've used have worked out.
1: Got it. And even the current two that you worked with, probably there's an evolvement, you know, of your relationship because the amount you print in the beginning might not be as you know, big. And then the price they offer probably might not be as good as now too. So it's a process of developing relationships with them, right?
0: Yes, absolutely. When we first started, I used to, I think I sent them an Excel sheet with the name of the invitation and how many packs we wanted to order. And it would take two or three days and they would get me a proof with every design. And it was just this clumsy process. And The bigger I got and the more I started ordering, we both looked at it and we were like, we have to find another way to make this work. And so um, it has developed over the past, you know, three and a half years where the printer um, actually created us like our own storefront within their printing system. And so all of our designs are loaded right into our own website and we just click the front and the back and submit, and it sets up those files for them to go straight to their printer. So it really streamlined the process on both ends for us, that we're not waiting three or four days for a proof, um, you know, and then waiting for me to approve it, and the Excel spreadsheet and things like that. Like, it's all set up, and it's all very streamlined, and everybody understands it. But that took took time. That took, you know, probably a year and a half to get that system in place. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Wow. So you have a very streamlined process that can make things very easy for you guys. Yeah, you don't need to go to the shop or tell them and explain anything anymore because you one click away from all the products.
0: That's right.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's wonderful. online shops that you have and can you tell us where you started in the very beginning um, including right the Etsy shop and later Amazon store that you had I was thinking maybe some artistic moms or crafty moms who like to make stuff and if they have a business mindset maybe they wanted to do something similar you know to get inspirations from your story
0: yeah uh, so if we go way back I think it was 2011 yeah it's a long time uh, I started out on Blogger, so or Blogspot or whatever that was called. <laughs> I don't even know. we still get traffic from that old blog, which is hilarious. Um, but that's exactly where I started, and I just uh, I would write little articles. I would take pictures of what I was making, um, and I would I would put them up there and share. And some of the very first things that I made, um, we use we use like the PayPal button so i would post the picture on the blog add the paypal button and so people could click the button pay you know and then and then i would email them the file or whatever whatever it was um and what's really funny about you know going into this like i'm i've always had like a business mindset but i don't have the technical knowledge and coding and things like that But, like, I taught myself all the little things I needed to know along the way. So when it came time to add the PayPal button, I just figured out how to add the PayPal button. And, you know, read articles or watch videos or whatever it was. And, you know, it can be done. You know, if there's a will, there's a way. And that was the most basic, simple way it could be back then. And that's how I did it. And um, I remember, I think... I started creating digital scrapbook kits for sale and I would email the kits to people. And I think I told myself when I had 10 kits, I would get myself a shopping cart. You know, I would add a shopping cart to my website. I would get a website that had a way for customers to purchase in the store and download it right in there. And so maybe it was like six or nine months in that I got a Zen cart. And uh, I had somebody install that for me because that was beyond my knowledge and I learned how to use the Zen cart and that's what, you know, I started, everything was in a Zen cart. And I grew the digital scrapbooking for a couple of years using Zen cart and it worked really, really well.
1: Wow. Yeah, it was very interesting, you know, back in the in the old days that uh, like the business can be not, not so official, right? It's just a block and a button that you can pay. And that's that's all it, all of it. Yeah. Um, and, and you started from there, but you got attention and also traffic from people all over the place, not just like neighbors, you know, like friends or family who know you. And you, you realize this is actually some market you can enter, you know, to uh, gauge interest and to sell more products.
0: Mm-hmm. Most of the time, it's not your friends and family. They're, the, they're not usually interested. They actually are the ones that look <laughs> at you like you're crazy. So for all of you out there that are thinking of starting a business and thinking your friends and family are going to buy from you, just wipe that right away. They are not.
1: Got it. And that's okay. <laughs> that's
0: Okay. I don't need them to buy from me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's
1: a good perspective, yeah, because we can totally, uh, in the beginning, very much rely on our friends and family thinking this is a popular idea because they will support us anyways. But in reality, you wanted to get a bigger audience that are not your friends and family anyways, you know. You wanted to be out there and then basically test if your idea works for the mass market rather than just a group of people who support you, (laughs) yeah. But, yeah, but I just think it's very interesting that you say you were not a technical person, but you were able to figure out a lot of things along the way. And even till now, I I was just thinking, this is the fact, you know, about an entrepreneur that self-learning is just part of your trait. You know, you always develop a way to, um, to figure out things and to learn and to just, make yourself, you know, be better and at different level, different things. And this is a growing process. Your business grows and you grow you grow at the same time. And this is a great, great mindset and also important skill to have along the way, self-learning and self-taught.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And it also takes the pressure off feeling like you need to know everything before you get started. So a lot of people get hung up in, Well, it has to be this way or it has to be perfect or I have to have it look the way this person does. And you might be looking at somebody who's three or four years in to the business and that's not how they started. You know, it starts very, very small and entrepreneurs learn the information they need to know the minute they know it, not a second sooner. So, you know, I see a lot of people getting caught up in learning all the things Right. So constantly taking courses and and learning everything and never really starting anything, you know, and you can learn all the information you want in the world. You it is not going to prepare you. (laughs) You have to start and you have to make mistakes and you have to find out the things that don't work in order to find out the things that do. And so don't waste your time taking a bunch of different courses or learning a bunch of different things. Just start with what you know. And add your little bits of knowledge as you need them. I don't think i I even remember how to add a PayPal button to the store anymore because I don't need that skill anymore. But if I did, I know I could go relearn it.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's a biggest. I mean, like a really big thing that I believe into. Like learning by doing and taking action is more important than actually, you know, like keep developing like knowledge about a certain area because if you don't take any actions entrepreneurship or you know doing a business means nothing unless you see how it works and you know in in real action and you can practice and experience it yourself and that's how it's going to be effective yeah Uh, We also know that stationery is a very saturated market. You know, there are a lot of big brands out there um, competing with each other with pricing, with different styles. What about you? Like, what do you think you like? What kind of ideas or kind of thing have you prepared for your product to stand out and why people love it? And have you thought about different ways to make it special or different so that it can stand out from those big brands?
0: Yeah, I think it goes back to tapping into that childlike mindset and the more connected with little kids that I can be, the more standout it becomes because they're my customers. You know, um, mom is is the big customer. She's going to buy it, but the little kid is going to be the one that says, hey, mommy, I want this. And a lot of the times you can't find it. Um, And so if I can get in with an idea for a party theme that not many people have done or that is unique, that tends to work really well. So, you know, maybe um, a, a child is having a bowling party or a roller skating party or something like that, and they don't want just the basic bowling that you can find at Party City or a local party st- you know, shop. Um, you know, I make mine glow in the dark because maybe it's a glow in the dark bowling party or like I had mentioned earlier, like I have a roller skating llama invitation. And so that was just kind of a way to kind of make it, like I'm always thinking, what would make this just a little more silly? What would make this just a little more fun? Um, and trying to think like, what would a kid really like, you know, you're not going to find a roller skating llama. Out shopping around you're just not so I'm always trying to combine silly things and like I said I think my artistic style just really lends itself well to children very bright and colorful very standout and it works um, and as far as pricing and competition and things like that you know I've learned over time there's like seven billion people on this planet right there are customers for all of us And there's enough customers out there for each of us to be as successful as we want to be. And just because somebody picks somebody else's design, you know, doesn't mean they don't like mine or uh, there's just, there's something for everybody. My style works for some people and it doesn't work for some people. And I'm really only out there looking for the people that love what I'm doing. Those are the only people I want anyway. And if they love what the competition is doing then good because those those are the their customers and you know we don't have to share customers we don't have to worry about taking customers away from somebody else or anything like that because the, the fact of the matter is that there's going to be people out there that love my style and there's going to be people out there that don't and I really only want the ones that love it and that I'm there for um And so, you know, my price is a little higher than the competition. Um, And it doesn't it doesn't seem to stop people because if they like my design more, they're going to buy it, you know. And if they like somebody else's design more, that's who they're going to shop with.
1: So from what I can tell, basically, you know, your perfect customer avatar really well, you know, which are the kids who are really um, going to enjoy this parties, you know, with the theme that you have planned um, for them. At the same time, I remember from Steve Cho's, right, like his podcast, you're saying that you are selling these to the prepared moms. And a lot of these invitational party supplies that are selling at the store are for the unprepared moms who are rushing to get something very quickly, you know, locally or physically and just go grab it uh, without... I guess selecting uh, what is available because what is ever available in the store and that's what they can get but for you because you have so many things special things available and for the prepared mom they can dive in and do a lot of you know like deep thinking about the party and then choose from your um, yeah your store
0: yeah though with Amazon that really helps the unprepared mom too because with the prime shipping, she can just get it in two days, which is really nice. So um, there's a little bit of something for everybody, which is great.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Since we... Talked, like started a little bit about the Amazon store. So I would love to know more about your Amazon store and the business and tell us when and how did you start your first Amazon store? Um, and how, you know, how was it like when you starting out and how does it run right now?
0: Two completely different things. Um, so going back to looking into somebody's business, you know, I'm almost four years in on Amazon. If you look at how smoothly things run, I mean that is it looks nothing like what it looked like when I started. It was just a hot mess back then, um, but I I listed some invitations and like I said I if they sold I would print them at Office Max and go pick them up, cut them, ship them. It was ridiculous and you know it just evolved as time went on into finding the print on demand shops and then local printing, I think it was about six months into Amazon that I decided I was going to do my first inventory purchase. And I remember that inventory purchase was about $750. And I was freaking out because I was thinking, Oh my gosh, how am I ever going to pay this back? You know, I, like, what if they don't sell? And you know, what if I'm stuck with this? And what if I don't make any money? And Uh, now typically our invitation and um, inventory orders are thousands of dollars a week. So like it's nothing compared to that 751st order. Um, So, you you know, you ease into those numbers. Like if you would have told me four years ago, like your inventory purchase in your biggest month is going to be $20,000, I would have like vomited, right? (laughs) But as time went on and it grew, you just saw it naturally going up. And so that number isn't, as crazy to me anymore because it gradually grew to that and it gradually, you know, added up over time. Um, As we sold on Amazon and and figured out the platform and things like that, we became brand registered. So I trademarked my name. We waited about a year uh, for that trademark to go through and become brand registered, which gives us a little extra protection on Amazon, which is great. So nobody can come in and sell our items against our listing. Um, which makes it um, better for us because we always have the buy box on Amazon. So um, people who come in onto Amazon and are selling somebody else's product have more struggles than we do because we're selling our own branded product. We don't have to worry about some of the things that uh, are the most difficult parts of Amazon. So it kind of took that away. So if you are thinking about selling on Amazon, having your own item and your own brand is really a huge benefit to you
1: got it so you mentioned about the inventory you purchase is that part of the amazon fba basically trying to fulfill like put your order put your own product into their inventory which you have to buy for storage fee maybe you know some other delivering um like pay for delivering and stuff like that so a lot of people might not know you know what Amazon FBA is um, ful- fulfilled by Amazon yeah so like say now you have made these cars you print them out and tell us what are the steps you have to go through to allow customers to receive your orders yeah your your cut products
0: yeah so like you said fulfilled by Amazon what that means is we ship our inventory to Amazon to amazon warehouses and they handle the whole fulfillment process for us so whenever somebody purchases from us on amazon we don't have to do anything else so we ship our inventory to them they tell us what warehouses they want us to send it to and sometimes they move inventory around so i have a local amazon distribution center so the majority of our our Inventory goes to them, but occasionally you'll see them moving some of it even from our local center to other Amazon warehouses because they're trying to get it as close to customers as possible for that prime shipping. So they handle all of that part of it. There are fees associated with it. Uh, When it comes right down to it, for me, the price of Amazon handling the packaging, the shipping, and the customer service part of shipping it's it saves us money than if we were doing it all ourselves and it saves us headache if we had to do all of it ourselves I'd probably need two or three more employees so there'd be costs associated with that in paying employees but then also the the shipping materials the envelopes um, and postage and things like that so for us it's worth it to use fulfilled by Amazon so when the customer purchases it I don't actually see anything going on. So our part of it is preparing the shipment to go to Amazon. Once it gets to Amazon, they handle the rest of it for us. If it sells out, we will switch the listing to Fulfilled by Merchant. And I'll leave it just so it can stay active. We try not to sell out of things, but we have 2,500 different SKUs on Amazon right now. And so every once in a while, some of them are sold out. And if somebody purchases one of those, then we will drop ship, print for them, print on demand, and, and send it to them that way. So it takes a little longer to get it. Um customer has to pay shipping. So sales on those items tend to be less when they're not in stock as if they were uh, in stock for Prime shipping through Amazon
1: basically are trying to cover the gap when you are trying to mail your inventory to amazon then you can still fulfill by yourself and mail everything to them yeah you you said the inventory purchase which is 750 to begin with is that a monthly fee or is it a Um, you know, I don't know, like quarterly or yearly fee that you have to pay for one product or for many products. The reason I'm asking this for, you know, for such a specific uh, detail is because I personally think Fulfilled by Amazon is one of the best routes for kid entrepreneurs and their families because I'm sure a lot of kids kid entrepreneurs are also you know like doing a lot of stuff in school and they don't have time to handle you know all the delivering and shipping and we had a uh, a, a kid entrepreneur who sell aprons yeah on Amazon using fulfilled by Amazon and I, I just think that it's amazing they can just produce in the summer and then everything runs automatically for them for throughout the whole year and I think it's the best way for kid entrepreneurs in a family to do business. So what does it mean, you know, to have an FBA, Amazon FBA? How much does it cost, you know, monthly in terms of money and time? I just would love to know more about, you know, printable products yeah, from your perspective.
0: So the $750 was my inventory cost from the printer. So I think I ordered, I think I had about 40 different invitation designs. And I think I ordered about 10 packs of each design. And so it was like 400 packs of invitations at, from the printer. Um, as far as costs associated with Amazon, so I pay for my product costs from the printer. Then we back in the day, we used to have to put the Amazon barcode on each uh, pack of invitations. So I would have like a friend come over and label all the invitations and stuff. Now through uh, time, as we've gotten better with the printer, we we reprint the barcode, Mm -hmm. and it's in the package with the invite. So we took that labeling time right off. We don't have to do that anymore, which is wonderful. So we order our inventory, we pay for our inventory from the printer, and then we tell Amazon what we're sending them, and then we just pay the shipping to get it to the Amazon warehouses. Once it's there, the only fees that happen with the items are if they sell. So if I sell the item, you know, there's an FBA fee, which is usually for us, it's about $2.40. And then there's, um, you know, product listing fees and things like that. So you have to, it's based on the price that you sell your product at. So there's calculation tools on Amazon. So you know exactly how much Amazon is going to take when your product sells. Um, And then there are storage fees, but I believe they only happen if you haven't sold your product in a year for us. Other categories might be different. Um, So if you buy too much inventory and it's not moving and it's not selling, Amazon doesn't want it sitting in their warehouses. So then they will start to charge you storage fees, but you have time, you know, you have time to figure that out. Um, And for us, our product is small. And so our storage fees, when we have them for the few items that are seasonal and you know, we didn't sell out of you know maybe a hundred dollars in a month, um, but you know, that's that's four years in, and and we have a lot of inventory and a lot of products. You know, when I first started, I didn't, I couldn't keep anything in stock because I was only sending ten in at a time. You know, now we're a little bit smarter about it, and we'll send in you know fifty or sixty, and you know, we tried it really hard to make sure things don't don't sell out. But also aren't overstocked. I mean, inventory is a whole animal in its own right. And that was a job I gave to my husband maybe two years ago because I was not doing a good job. So I was like, guess what? (laughs) You get to do this. You get the job. Yes. And when he took that over, uh, amazingly, our sales increased. So that was the right choice. (laughs)
1: yeah that's that's more like of a logical and rational mind who can take care of things you know like in detail but as a creative mind it's just oh my gosh too many things are going on right now yeah
0: no and i've become just... very aware of the things that i should not be doing
1: <laughs> yeah. that's great yeah you you can still you know respond be responsible for the creative part and your husband takes the other part yeah like which works perfectly together yeah wonderful to hear and uh uh, I'm just wondering, like, how much time now do you have to spend? Um, I should ask this for your husband. Yes. Yeah, so how much time do you have to figure out about, about the inventory and delivery? And what what if you don't fulfill your orders after it run out? And would, would there anything happen? You know, because I was just thinking like when the kids, entrepreneurs or family get busy and they um, only prepare for the summer and they put everything on autopilot. And would there anything happen to them if they don't you know, take care of it very often on Amazon?
0: Yeah, well, I think the biggest problem that you would run into is when you have enough inventory and sales are happening, they increase and they increase and they increase until they get to, you know, their leveling off point. When you run out of inventory, you're not seen as much. And so then when you're not seen as much and people aren't clicking on your listing, then your sales go down, you know. So it, it, the benefit is t- to stay in stock, you know, because then your sales will be more consistent throughout the year. Um, if you take a break and you run out of stock and that listing's just not available, that's fine. But then when you make it available again, just know that it's going to take time for it to start being seen again. You know, So let's say you were selling $500 a month You know, at your peak time, and then you ran out of stock and you let it go for three months before you, you started selling again. It's going to take a long time for it to get back to $500 a month. You know, it's not like you turn the listing back on and it goes right back to where it was. So it is beneficial to you to just keep it going so that you can keep that that volume up like that. But it's not to say you can't, you know, turn it on and off. You certainly can. But I would not say that an item is available and then not fill the order if it sells. That would be That would be real bad news. Yeah, so if you run out of stock or you're doing FBA and it runs out, um, do not switch it to filled by merchant unless you have the product on hand and you can ship within the time frame that you said you were going to, if you can't, then don't do it. So we, um, when we like go out of town or on vacation or something like that, I will turn off all my merchant filled orders because I know I'm going to be gone for seven days. I'm not going to be able to fill these orders and you don't want too many sales and then shipping late and things dinged against your account. That happened. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: got it. Yeah, that's that's an important thing to watch out for. Basically, even if and the cost is not selling at all because people don't click or buy, you wanted to keep your uh, store in a healthy and positive, you know, like way so that people can still return with good reviews and everything. Yeah. Yeah, definitely selling on Amazon. I think another two things that are important is that, as you said, how can you be seen by other people? And so do you market your product besides the organic search results that people can get from Amazon? And another thing is the reviews, peer reviews and product review is so important on Amazon. And so do you have some kind of ways to encourage people to write reviews for you after they get, you know, your products?
0: Yeah, we use um, Amazon's advertising platform, so the PPC, pay-per-click, sponsored product ads. Um, when I first started, I I did it. I had no idea what I was doing, but as long as I was making money, I was okay. So as long as my um, my sales were higher than my ad spend, I was like, okay, this is working. Uh, and then as we got farther in and became more successful on Amazon, I hired somebody to manage our our ad campaigns on Amazon, so somebody else does that for us now. Again, as long as it's profitable, I'm I'm cool with it. Um, I will not drive any external traffic to Amazon, so all social media and any links that I put out there, I send them to my own store, because I figure I'm paying you Amazon to advertise my stuff. I shouldn't be doing a lot of work and spending a lot of time driving traffic to Amazon. So any external traffic I drive to my own website. Um, And then reviews, there is talk of how important reviews are, but I can also tell you that I have plenty of products that don't have any reviews that sell just fine. Also products that have um, only a few reviews, they also sell just fine. Um, And we do use, uh, what's it called, Uh, Feedback Genius, which is through Seller Labs, and uh, it sends an automatic message to the customer when their shipping says it arrived. It's set to a certain time, like maybe two days after it arrives or something. And, you know, it's a pre-written note that says many people enjoy this. If you enjoy it, would you mind leaving us a review? And uh, sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. I I will say the majority do not leave a review. Um, We've had thousands and thousands of sales, and we have a few reviews. And it's it still works. Other products might need more reviews, especially if you're up against something that's extremely similar to what you're doing. That's when those reviews become very, very important. But when it's your own branded product and you're the only one that has that exact item, the reviews don't matter as much because somebody's going to pick yours based on they like it better. You know, so even though there are other invitations and things out there, um, you know, if you pull up two unicorn invitations and you like my design better and it doesn't have any reviews, you still might buy it because you like it more. And, you know, Amazon has a really great return policy. So if you get it and you really don't like it, you can return it. So um, I just find that even if there are no reviews, things do still sell.
1: And the invitations are such a simple product where you just see the design, you like it or not, you know, like it's not like some complicated products where you don't know how it works and uh, if this, you know, will happen to some people and the others not and then people will need to compare products to see which one is better and then they see the reviews to make a decision, yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, and we've sold thousands, I mean, hundreds of thousands of invitations and you know every once in a while I'll get the, the review that's like I can't find a single pen that will write on these and I just I kind of laugh a little because I'm like we've sold thousands of invitations yeah.
1: it's probably your pen problem right, <laughs> right. I mean
0: literally thousands and you know um, I've only heard two complaints about that you know um, and of course I try to be very respectful and say like you know, please send them back. We will cover the costs. Like maybe it was printed on the wrong paper. You know, you never know. But I also sometimes you just kind of have to shrug and just say, okay, that person might have been having a bad day and all the ink was out of all their pens in their house that day or something like that. But, um, you know, it's hard to see from my end how many thousands of packs we've sold, you know, or on one specific design. Like I know I've sold a couple thousand packs of that and then you get like the one negative review And there's no positive reviews, but you're like, I know I've sold 2,000 packs of that invitation. So uh, 1,999 people are happy, but nobody told anyone, you know? So sometimes you just have to shrug and um, know that that customer might just be having a bad day. But I always will uh, accept returns. We'll we'll accept returns at any time and, you know, cover the cost of return shipping for them and everything. So we try really hard to offer the best customer service we can through Amazon.
1: Got it. So I guess the last question for the business part is that we try to also tell, um, you know, kid entrepreneurs and their family like how to calculate costs know, how to uh, sometimes be um, brave to set up costs, you know, even for some calculating some labor costs because a lot of kids feel guilty Oh my gosh, yeah, this thing only costs this much and I'm selling that much. Um, But they don't count in a lot of other factors like labor, you know, like even storage at their house and stuff like that. So in terms of pricing, your cards are around 25 per pack, uh, which uh, each pack is like 20 cards, right? Invitations. And what are some costs associated with it? And when you set your price, do you have some considerations? What to add in? And yeah, tell us more about that.
0: Yeah, so there's the product cost itself, the cost coming from the printer to print each invitation, and they shrink wrap them for us, so they have labor associated with their cost. So we know our per pack price, um, but then other factors that we have to consider are we have a delivery fee from the printer to our house or to our office. Now we have an office, um, so there's that price. Um, then there's the shipping cost from our office into Amazon, which is the, there's another price there per pack price. And I think, you know, about 60 packs of invitations fit in a box. Um, and our boxes cost us eight or $9 to ship in. So, you know, it's not a ton, but it is a cost, you know, and each little 17 cent cost adds up, you know, here and there. So, um, you know, paying attention to each little piece that adds cost onto it, brings up that pack price. Um, and then there's the FBA fees and the seller fees and the listing fees and things like that too. Uh, Amazon charges a $40, uh, professional selling fee per month. So that's a cost. You don't necessarily associate it per product, but it is a cost that you have. Um, and especially when you're starting out, you don't have employees or anything like that. Um, you know, um, in my early entrepreneur journey, I I worked for very little per hour. <laughs> so, um, you know, you do what you have to do because, like, you're free, essentially. You know, like, I don't have to pay myself, um, but here's the, the costs, and then anything that's extra I get to keep. Um, but now we have to factor in. We're much larger now. We have multiple um, people that work for us. We have an office expense that we have to pay each month and all of that stuff adds up and and you probably could break that down into per pack price you know so if my office costs us $2000 a month and we're selling 2000 packs a month you know it's a dollar per pack right so um not that that's a one for one like that but all those things go into the cost and also purchasing more inventory before you've sold all the inventory that you already have so a lot of times you have a lot of money hanging out there in inventory and factoring those things in but when I first started you know the costs were a lot lower um it was a lot easier to figure out um I would just say make sure you know exactly how much your product is costing you with the shipping to you to Amazon um and don't be afraid to charge a tiny bit more than your competition because um, higher price means higher quality. And so a lot of times customers, they perceive it that way. As a, um, you know, I, I'd rather spend a little extra to make sure I get something really nice than to buy the cheapest one on Amazon. And you know, your price has to be high enough to cover every single cost that you have and then some if you want to be able to do business well and take care of your customer the right way. Um, I never worry about a customer complaint or anything like that and and sending them out a new pack of invites because we charge enough to cover those costs so that it's not a worry. Like, it's not worth losing a customer or making a customer angry over a couple dollars, you know? So um, charging an extra amount allows me to make good customer service decisions that aren't based on money, which is really, really helpful. Mm
1: -hmm. Great. Yeah. So now what is your vision for Amanda creation and what do you plan to do more in the future?
0: Yeah. Oh man. Um, So it's really fun. We're going into our fourth year on Amazon and I feel like we're just getting started. So, there are hundreds of birthday themes that I have not made an invitation for yet. So, I have, I always have a list of ideas. I don't know if I'll ever catch up to myself. Uh, but the big thing we're working on right now is um, expanding out our collections of themes, and we're going to start offering full party collections in a lot of different themes. So, that would be about seven or eight items designed by me that we manufacture, and we're going to pair them with um, some wholesale party supplies to create an entire kit. So when you buy the entire kit, or if, you, you know, if you're looking for an entire party, you'd get everything you need from paper plates, cups, napkins, invites, thank you cards, stickers, banner, everything you need, tablecloth, silverware, all of it, uh, with just the click of a button. So my goal is to make it as simple as possible to have a pinterest worthy party with just the click of a button and it comes to your house, everything you need coordinates and is beautiful, and just really thinking about moms and how busy they are, but still that they want to make really magical memories for their kids um, and an experience and making that very simple for them to do so that's 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 my goal, my big vision. Um, I want to see the potential. I want to see where it can go. You know, we just, I still have products I haven't even figured out how to manufacture yet. Yeah. So, you know, as soon as I figure out how to manufacture those, then when we reach the end of my list, then we'll see what happens. But I don't know when the end of my list is going to come. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Definitely. And especially, you already have probably hundreds of different themes already, and you're still producing new. This is what a creative mind is always going on. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that your husband is working on your business, like with you right now. And what about three of your boys? Do they ever involve part of your business? And do you have any hope for your boys in the future?
0: Yeah, it's funny. Um, My boys, uh, my oldest especially, when he needs money, then he's always looking for work. (laughs) So (laughs) they haven't quite quite figured out the work ethic thing yet. But, um, you know, he, he wants new shoes or something like that. He's like, okay, I have to work four hours to get the money that I need. And, you know, I'll give him a pack of stickers and he'll stop literally at the four hour mark and I'll Uh, No, you're going to finish that pile of stickers, you know, handbagging them or whatever it is. Um, But something that your listeners might think is really funny is um, I tell my boys that I'll pay them $10 an hour for their help unless they want to spend the money on video games, like in a video game. So if they want to buy gems or something to use in a video game, then I say they only get $5 an hour. (laughs) Oh. <laughs> I can't even tell you how many times they pick the $5 an hour option. Yeah.
1: To work harder.
0: Yeah, to get what they want. That's right. But I, you know, I just I don't like spending money in a video game, you know, where it's you never are going to get anything for it. It's such a waste of money to me. And so I tell them, you know, first of all, I'm not paying for it. And second, if you want to, then This is, you only get $5 an hour. So you have to work twice as hard or twice as many hours to get, you know, $10. They'll do it. They'll do it if they want it bad enough.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. You actually probably created a fire in their heart. Oh my gosh. I have to work so much harder. I'm going to get it. Like the extra driven for the video games they wanted. (laughs) Maybe.
0: I don't know. I still think like who would agree to work for $5 an hour, but they agree. Uh. Yeah
1: yeah so it's a part of the you know like grit and perseverance that you know like it doesn't matter yeah a lot of times like they're it's it's just that part of pursuing you know like wanting something and work for it and i'm sure they can apply that to other things in the future as well yeah it's it doesn't you know it's not necessarily just video games that that drive them yeah So my last question to wrap up our interview is anything you wanted to say to artistic or crafty parents who also have creative kids who like to make stuff?
0: Oh, yes. Uh, First of all, don't ever give them a hard time for making creative messes uh, because there's so much value in that mess. And I get it because I have mess making children myself, but I will never... I will never make them clean it up before they're ready or make a big deal out of it or anything like that. Creative messes, there's so much potential. And even as an adult, you could ask my husband, there are creative messes all over this house. But they have meaning and they have potential. And until I'm done with that mess, it's still a work in progress. And when I'm done, then it gets picked up and put away or whatever. But um, I know where things are, you know, and sometimes it just you just have to spread out. So if you have a crafty creative child, just let them do that or give them a space to do that in that, um, you can close the door to, um, and just know that like the creatives of the world are so few and far between that encourage their creativity and any chance that you can get. Because, um, I read a study one time that all of us are born with genius level creativity and by age Five only 1% of the population still retains that genius of creativity. And so if you have a creative child, encourage it in any way you can. Creative thinking is also um, creative. It's not just arts and crafts supplies, but thinking outside of the box, questioning things, even when um, they question you, because my children question me all the time, and I tell them, like, question everything, and then sometimes I'm like, just not me. But they still do. And I do encourage it, even though there are times I'm tired and I don't want to answer the questions. Why are you doing this, sir? What's the purpose of this? Like, always be answering those questions and allowing them to think outside the box and think bigger than themselves. And um, just any way you can encourage creativity, please do, because um, that's, that's really going to be the future.
1: And Amanda, through your story, I actually can see, like, creativity itself it's really a mindset you know like even though you came from a music background and you don't have any training from graphic design but you made your way through and you find a way to express yourself and and I just thought you know like even creativity and those technical skills a lot of things can be learned and can be expressed by yourself if you have the drive have the will to do something yeah and even through your business I can also see that with a very simple passion that you have for throwing parties and you know making invitations and this type of business can thrive and also find a big market and people love your products you know so if as long as you are focused and you know what you're doing and you believe you create value for a lot of people moms kids out there and people would resonate with you and would love your products yeah so um I think this is a great encouragement for kid entrepreneurs and also moms out there saying, oh, I just like this very little tiny, you know, thing. I don't know if people want it, but you can still try it out, right? Take action and make it happen and see what will happen um, for your business or for your future. Yeah. And especially, I think last point I want to make is that as a mom, because uh, you have this, you know, perfect love and, 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 Care for your kids and for your husband, and so you created this business not only out of your passion for yourself it's a way of you know raising this family and supporting this family together so your drive and motivation actually totally serves you know for your whole family which is quite amazing to to see how you involve your kids to you know to be part of your business and also your husband you know working um, for this business as well so I just think it's a great you know like story for a woman entrepreneur who have this great heart for family but also can do amazing things yeah with their passion as well
0: and not even you don't even have to do it the scale that I'm doing it when I started out I just wanted to make enough money extra so that I could put my son in t-ball you know we were I was a stay-at-home mom my husband worked and it's hard it's hard in today's day and age to make ends meet with one working parent and so when I first started I just wanted to make a couple hundred dollars extra a month for those extra things we didn't have money for. And then once I did that and it was consistently happening, I was like, well, wouldn't it be nice if they could take piano lessons and I could pay for piano lessons? And then it was, wow. wouldn't it be nice if I could pay the mortgage? And then as it grew, it was, wouldn't it be nice if my husband could quit his job? Oh <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> but it took time. It took time. And so people look at what I have now and they think it just happened overnight. But this is 16 years in the making. This is not something that just happens. Um, And it's a constant pushing through boundaries and pushing through failures and the will to keep going even when things might not be working. So even if when you're first starting out, you just have that one sale a week, celebrate it. And then when it becomes two, celebrate that. And when it becomes ten, celebrate that. And acknowledge that it just takes time to build things. And it's going to be slow. But if you work just a little bit every day towards it, over time, massive things happen. One step forward every day over 10 years is going to create something positive. I guarantee it. But most people are impatient. And they don't want to wait. But if you wait, it's so worth it. So worth it. Got it.
1: Yeah. So definitely have some courage to do things, have some patience, to wait for things, miracles to happen, and now have your goal set, you know, big to achieve even bigger dreams, milestones like what you said each, you know, year, each, like, time, like, for your family, for yourself, and then great things will happen. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much, Amanda, for your time. And I just found the story is so inspiring and amazing. Yeah, so I hope a lot of kids and uh, especially mom, artistic moms out there, you know, can do similar things like what you did. Yeah. So thank you so much. We'll definitely keep in touch. Yeah. And I will let you know when our episode is out. Yeah. Wonderful.
0: Thanks for listening to the Spark Creators podcast at peachandplumlab.com.